of the Nourish Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Andy White, and with me today, as always, Martin Fierro. You need to change your beginning, because yeah. like, it's the same one every week. How would anyone know what they're listening to? Because the same week as any other. You know, it's true. Uh, I thought it Suggestions might... on a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> Which would actually also be our only ever first correspondence <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been face-to-face from someone we know. Um, Lazy bastards. Yeah, I could... Uh, I could. I work on something, something yeah, more. Yeah, I need new tagline, yeah. new intro. All right. Uh, I think I thought people might like consistency, but you know, I'm happy to uh, take on board. Suggestions. Be a rebel, mate. Be a rebel. Okay, so um, welcome. Um, we have not a massive amount to talk about today, as you probably all well be aware. But uh, we're going to go on and crack right on with making our excuses early doors. <laughs> yesterday's uh, just. I'll just fade in the music now. <laughs> um, fade, uh, sorry, we can talk about um, Guerrero versus Garcia. Um, and Khan is in line to face the winner. Or the Yeah. Winner. So last night was uh, Robert Guerrero versus Danny Garcia for the WBC welterweight title. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, Amir Khan was out there. Floyd Mayweather was there ringside. It's his old belt. And uh, Danny Garcia won it on points. It's Can I, is this the belt that he surrendered because they wanted 500,000 off of him? Uh, no, I don't think it was that. Oh, one. okay. Um, no, it was just one when he's retired. He's right, now okay. giving them all up. Right, and okay. uh, they're being fought over. So it was a vacant title. <clears throat> Makes a bit of a joke of it, really, that Guerrero was fighting for a vacant title because he's not really in the top 10 of welterweights. So I'm not it quite sure a how he's... Thing across doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure how he's managed to make his way in there, but uh, he did. Guerrero outpoint, uh, sorry, Garcia outpointed him. Uh, wasn't the most spectacularly interesting of fights, although you know Garcia did what he had to do, which wasn't an awful lot. Um, Guerrero's best days are behind him, really. Um, but yeah, what was interesting? You've got Khan there. He'd been making noise, which we'll talk about later on. He'd been making noise in the week about... Uh, I mean, he's essentially in line to face the winner of that fight. Um, he was there. Mayweather was there ringside. And being Amir Khan, he couldn't take the opportunity to see Floyd Mayweather and not try and get a fight out of it. And uh, <coughs> I mean, right it was, then and there. <laughs> yeah. No, it was... Uh, there's loads of videos knocking about of him and... Um, yeah, it's just an odd one. Like, just accept that he's retired, but he still makes this video after saying, like, oh, yeah, man, like, Floyd doesn't want to fight me. I'm too quick. He's, he's retired, mate. He's been retired for ages. Yeah, just let him stay retired. You know, he's saying that he is retired, so give up on it. But bad to the action. I mean, um, yeah, Danny Garcia is now a two-weight world champion, uh, light welterweight and now welterweight. His dad, Angel Garcia, had come out with uh, comments which they were a little bit odd, really, or not odd, I suppose, a little bit honest, maybe too honest, saying about the easier fights, 
that uh, Garcia has taken over the years and saying, you know, essentially, why would he take more risky fights when he can get paid a decent amount to take non-risky fights? <laughs> the mark of a true champion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he yeah gets this fight with uh, Robert Guerrero, which is a non-risky fight. He's not going to get hurt in it particularly. Um, there's no huge risk of it. Does no one challenge them when they say things like that? Like, <sighs> What can you challenge him on? What? <laughs> like, I, I mean... No, I suppose. Uh, He's got a point. If someone's going to pay you decent enough money to take a fight with somebody who's not a massive risk to you, then, yeah, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, when it comes to legacy and things, you're not going to be looked back upon particularly uh, fondly. And it's a shame, because Garcia is a good boxer. Um, so Amir Khan is in line to face the winner. Uh, there's all the talk about Amir Khan and Kel Brook uh, sparking up again, which we're going to cover later. But yeah, Khan is looking, he's fought Danny Garcia a few years back now, got stopped in the fourth round, I think it was. Um, so he's looking for the rematch there at uh, a new weight to both of them, essentially. Khan's had two or three now at welterweight. Uh, Garcia the same. So uh, yeah, Khan's looking to try and um, you know make the most of being mandatory for that and get a fight in the summer against Garcia. Whether or not it will happen, you know, we'll see. Okay. Um, so not not the most spectacular fight, followed by not the most spectacular resulting fight. I mean, what does what does Garcia Khan? That's a good fight. That is, um, so he's got a good prospect of a fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say whether or not it'll happen, we'll see. I wouldn't be overly shocked if you don't see it for a little so is, while. So it's a toss up at this point between that or Khan and Brook. Uh, Brook's got Brizier coming up in March. <laughs> Um, which is an underwhelming fight, but is his mandatory, so he has to take it or else he gets stripped for the IBF title. So he has to get through that. Um, Khan will be looking to... I don't know if Garcia... I, I assume he probably does have to have a mandatory for that new belt fairly soon. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how long Garcia has got before he'd have to face Khan. So it may be that Khan is sat waiting around for that fight, <laughs> which he's quite familiar with anyway. Okay, so it seems like a natural point then to bring up uh, Khan gobbing off on Twitter. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I don't know, he's so active on Twitter over the last week or so. He's normally fairly quiet, but uh, he just... He put something out on Friday, I think it was, in the morning, saying the truth is going to come out later, or something like that. Um, at which point... <laughs> like a tagline <laughs> for an X-Files series. Yeah, it was really <laughs> odd. And then later on, he just went off on one. And I'm talking like... 10, 15 tweets, something like that. I haven't got them all in front of me, but he was essentially saying about um, the offers made to fight Kel Brook from Eddie Hearn and uh, laughing at the fact that Hearn wanted 50-50 out of it as a split for the purse, saying that it should be 80-20 in his favour. It's like, you're fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that big a name. And he thinks he thinks he is on the same, like, um, the same platform as yeah. Mayweather Pacquiao. That's what planet this geezer lives well, that's on. that's why he spent the last um, however many years trying to trying to get a fight on that yeah, like, yeah and they've just kind of mugged him off every time and he thinks he is of that level that's the frightening like he genuinely thinks it so he's proposing he gets an 80-20 split in his favour despite the fact that the belt's with Brooke um, yeah Khan seems to think that he is deserving of it now Eddie Hearn has come out and said that basically he was told to keep any negotiations off of social media but given that Khan started it, like I'm going to do it as well. 
Um, so went on and said, okay, like let's make this easy. Khan, you get 60%. Brooke, even as a champion, get 40%. Let's do it. And Brooke, in the meantime, is then responding to these as well, saying, um, you know, June 4th or 6th, I can't remember which one it was, Wembley Stadium, let's do it. Um, Barry Hearn chipped in, <laughs> Eddie's dad, <laughs> saying, like, you know, let's make this easy. We've got the pay-per-view sorted. We've got the venue sorted. We've got a date sorted. Let's do it. And then we'll have a snooker all... match at the end. Yeah, well, ping pong championship, <laughs> throw it in, bit of darts. It'd be like a fucking sports day at school. <laughs> Three-legged race. Yeah. Who they'd, I don't know who race against. But... <laughs> well, Amy Khan gets his knob out on Skype, so uh, I confirm there's not a three-legged race. <laughs> he is a helmet. But, yes. um, mm. Yeah, so... He's a confusing guy. It's all... If he'd spent the last X amount of years... Smashing the shit out of everyone, yeah. Like, and then and then sort of proving that he was literally the best around, with no doubt, aside from Mayweather and Pacquiao, on the assumption neither of them are still taking up the chance to fight him. Then you could kind of understand him going, "And what? And what?" So, but no, he's, he's not fighting anyone. If he'd have spent the last year and a half beating Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Timothy Bradley, Errol Spence Jr. And was then mouthing off about how he deserves an 80-20 split. You could kind of believe that yeah. because he's cleaned up a division where the best has fallen out the top. But he hasn't done that. He's sat and taken like poor fights or not hugely challenging fights, made them into a bit of a challenge, and then he's still mouthing off. He's just... Wait, I mean... It, he's painful. I know we've kind of covered this before, but is he... Is he all given there? what's happened, <laughs> given what's happened so far at this point in his career, has he still got any the potential to go to be? I mean, he might beat Garcia, right? So then he could be a champion. But has he got the chance to become um, a legendary, if you like, champion? What's his legacy going to be? If he can't, is it going to be tarred or? Well, if he retired tomorrow, his legacy would be unfulfilled potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still got the potential to be a very well-respected yeah. boxer of his generation. If he gets off his arse, stops talking about fighting people and actually fights some decent people, then yes, he and he could beat those people. That's a frustrating thing. Is that like if it was somebody that didn't have all the talent in the world but kept mouthing off about others, you'd think, oh, shut up and leave it out. But like with like Khan, Tony Bellew, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly like Tony Bellew, who's now like almost taken himself down from that platform and he's a little bit more humble about it. <laughs> Khan's kind of like all the bits of Bellew's left behind. He sucked them up as well. <laughs> like, I'm going eighty twenty now. I'm the, no, just shut up and get the decent fights in, and then people will respect you enough not to laugh at you when you make these demands. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just if you're shame. asking about legacy, I say at the moment it would be unfulfilled potential. You really hope, like, don't get me wrong, I really hope he would go on and do what he could do, mm. but he's not. When he came to the scene, when he burst into the scene, it was really exciting, wasn't it? Young British prospect, yeah. he was, and it's still exciting because he still, you know, he loses every now and then. You know, he lost going back all those years to the Braders Prescott one where he got chinned and left in the corner. The Danny Garcia fight was brilliant, a great fight. And he lost, but he's vulnerable, but he's also exciting. And like those things make for an interesting fighter, but he's not <laughs> he's not out there often enough to see it. And that's what the the frustration yeah, is. Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, well but he's good I at think, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> he's a champion at Twitter. So Maybe that's where he's uh, moved his focus. Yeah. Shift his focus on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna live a life through Twitter, make people realise how great I am on there. <laughs> um right, I think he's definitely had enough airtime from us. So um, let's move on to uh, 
what's happening. I actually, what, what can we talk about the WBA belts now, or is it uh, is it essential we speak about next week first? Let's go through next week. It'll okay. be uh, um, it'll be a long chat. This. <laughs> Okay, so next week we've got George Grove stepping into the ring against uh, Andrea De, De Luisa or De Luisa. De Luisa, possibly. I don't know. I'm not really familiar Andrea, with him, to be honest. George versus Andrea. Um, <laughs> what uh, What have we got to look forward to there? Um, I don't know. It's an old like looking for. I'm not familiar with De Luisa at all. <laughs> at all I know nothing about the bloke ah there we are we're on level pegging here yeah so like, I've I? looked no unlike you I put some fucking research <laughs> in I still don't come with anything <laughs> so his uh, losses on the, the record he's got three losses one of them is to Lucian Butte who recently lost to um, James DeGale and got smashed up by Carl Froch in Nottingham uh, the other loss, or one of the other two losses, because I didn't know the third person, one of the other two is Christopher Rabrasse, who George Groves beat um, when he came back from the Frotch defeats. So that's one of the losses this guy's got, which kind of says to me the level that he's at is sub-European, kind of because Rabrasse was kind of European champion at that level. Decent fight, we saw him out again against Callum Smith and gave Callum Smith a handful. He's beaten this bloke, and George Groves beat Rabrasse. So although, you know, Styles make fights, etc., etc., it kind of gives you a level of what to expect. So, you know, it's Groves' first fight back in the, the six months or so since he lost to Badu Jack last year. Um, so it's a soft landing. It's it's not quite as soft as the David Hay return, don't get me wrong. By the <laughs> looks of it, on paper, this guy can proper, probably do a little bit more. But uh, it's designed for George Groves to win it and you know start to re-ingratiate himself and build up again back towards probably um, a James DeGale fight. you got to assume is what they're going to start building towards now. Well, as long as uh, Andrea de Luisa, Luisa or whatever his name is isn't, an ice cream man from Brazil or something. I'm sure well, it can't be as bad as the Hay opponent. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> what is it? What was it? We figured f- f- by some of the most ropey stats, he was fourth in Australia or something. Yes, so, yes. Um, I think, uh, so, yeah, I mean, this bloke isn't going to win, I think is what it comes down to, so, unless Groves has lost everything. Yeah, uh, how many losses now have Groves got in him? Three? Is He's got, um, what's he got? The James DeGale, well, not sorry, James DeGale, the Carl Froch ones twice, yeah. the Badu Jack one. Right. Uh, and what's his. Right, let's just presume that he wins this, which might be an incorrect presumption, but let's just say he does. What are his options? What are his prospects from here? Um, options wise, I mean, uh, I don't know really. You've got. There's a WBA champion that's just been put in place for change. Um, a new WBA super champion is an Italian fella that I can't remember the name of who beat a young German by the name of Vincent Feigenberts the other week. Um, it was a bit of a, a surprise victory. But essentially, Andre Ward has vacated the super belt in super middleweight to move up to light heavyweight. Um, and... Yeah, so that's... I mean, every super middleweight around world championship level will be looking at this Italian geese that I can't remember the name of <laughs> to try and pick him off as a... Try and figure out his name. Yeah, A, find out who he is, and then B, contact his manager for a fight because I think he's going to be pretty popular uh, in the upcoming months. So, you know, you can look down that route. There's Badu Jack, but I mean, the obvious one, I think, will be James DeGale. Um 
Yeah, DeGale's last fight was against Lucien Butte out in Canada, which didn't really spark up too much interest over here. Butte's name's tarnished from getting beaten up by Froch. Like, beaten up. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I think it's uh, I think that's probably the obvious one for both of them is that if they can build Groves back up, get him a fourth world title shot, which <laughs> Christ knows how in reality. Who's he got pictures of? <laughs> um, then yeah, I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see them try and steer those two together the back end of this year sometime. Um, how much interest do you think nationwide that would generate? I think it'd generate. I mean, George Groves, his name carries interest purely on the back of the frotch fights um and he got those because of ranking right yeah he got the first one because of ranking um the second one because of whining um Um, the way it was stopped yeah yeah end quote sort of thing so yeah i think it's not don't get me wrong it's not this stadium wembley fight that eddie hearn wants i'd be hugely surprised but it's an o2 size fight i think it's yeah, the first one when they were both like <laughs> relative novices to what they are now was an O two sized fight. So uh, I think it still is, but I say James DeGale they seem to be struggling what to do with really. Um Yeah, I mean Arthur Abraham's the other kind of world champion, but he's going out to America uh to go and fight a young um American undefeated kid over there in a few months. So he's kind of tied up as well. So see, with that weight division, strikes me very differently to um, the heavyweight division. Whereas the heavyweight division we've spoken about uh, in the recent past, there's all these sort of big players in the in the game, sort of thing. But they all seem to be circling each other, and it's, you can all see logical connections where people are going to take on each other, and where the titles might move, and then ultimately maybe combine together. It's not quite the same. It seems to be like if you just said one of the one of the champions sort of going off to fight this guy. It doesn't seem to be the champions against each other. It, it, no, there's very little interest in it. Seemingly, it's um, yeah. They don't. Uh, James the Gale was interviewed last night. Uh, I saw a video today, and you know they're asking him about future opponents and. Yeah, he wasn't really talking about kind of unifying titles. He was just like throwing names up in the air and seeing who landed, kind of thing. It was <laughs> he had no clear purpose or direction, seemingly. It's a strange one. It's the, it, that's the the downside of it being, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but almost like um, what well, a non-planned sport. If it was a, a sport that was like like you know most sports, most team sports that we're more familiar with, where there's a structure and there's a system where people play each other or whatever. Yeah, I mean the obvious like comparison is UFC, where it's run by an individual. You've essentially got a league and they're ranked, yeah, and then they true, fight yeah. the people for their rankings, and then the number one takes on the champion, and then yeah. the people underneath it fight for position to get to number one. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, so when it was, yeah, so that's yeah, perfect because then people are on, under one umbrella sort of thing, so it makes a logical. Yeah. Um, There's logical, logical discourse between, you know, how you get to the top and where you are at present, whereas in boxing, no, it's. And as we spoke about the other week, um, a good example of that is uh, Huey Fury, who, like, seems like. If, if people would make people fight him, <laughs> yeah, for, you know, for whatever, however they would do that, um, then he might he might be able to accelerate his career somewhat. But having to just wait there it must be incredibly frustrating for some fighters. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's move on to um, this is uh, these are the fights of the undercard for the George Groves fight, right? Yeah. So we've got Sergey Kamitsky versus John Ryder. Yeah. Um, um, 
I, I mean, I, I, well, I confess, it probably won't be a massive surprise to our listeners, I've never heard of either of these two fighters. <laughs> Are they big names in their right, so countries? John Ryder, it's a middleweight fight. John Ryder's got two losses. Um, one is to current British champion, Nick Blackwell. And one is to Billy Joe Saunders. So they're both decent opponents to lose to. Um, when he fought Saunders, they were both undefeated. So it was an interesting uh, interesting matchup and uh, you know, he lost on points. So he's he's good, but we don't know how good he is, I suppose. Um, as for Kamitsky, he's an interesting one. He <laughs> He's 41 years old now. He hasn't got the greatest record in the world. In fact, he's lost, uh, I think it was 13 um fights I'm fairly sure it's around that but he's got wins against Frank Buglioni who the British guy that went on to fight for world title recently he's got a win against Adam Etches who um he was undefeated again British guy uh good friends of Kel Brook who I interviewed him recently um he's got a draw with Nick Blackwell so he does very well against British fighters. So it's an interesting one. He's forty-one, so he may well, you know, time may have caught up with him a little bit. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's a dangerous one for John Ryder, in that uh, I say Kamitsky has this record of doing very, very well against British fighters. So uh, there's nothing on the line for it really, other than you know, if John Ryder wins, he can reasonably say that he's he's moving on to a better yeah. level. But it can <clears> be argued that Kamitsky's best days are behind him. Um, yeah, but I mean, you'd have probably said that five years ago as well. And since <laughs> yeah. then, he's beaten these other people. So uh, it's a nice name to have on your. If he can beat him, it can, looks good in comparison to to how others have done. Okay, um, John Wayne Hibbert versus Tommy Martin. Yeah, so Tommy Martin. Um, this a uh, light welterweight, super lightweight fight. Um, Tommy Martin is a very highly touted. Um, not prospect, I suppose. He's he's thirteen wins, no losses, no draws. So he's kind of past the prospect stage, I guess. It's probably his first real um, decent fight. Uh, John Wayne Hibbert. He's he's a decent name to have on the record if Tommy Martin can beat him. John Wayne Hibbert has had uh, some good fights in the past. They're not like highlight high level fights. You know, you don't. They tend to be undercard fights on Sky. You know, the kind of first fight they'll show on the night. Yeah. That kind of level of fighter. But they're always quite interesting fights and quite exciting fights, so I'd recommend tune in and watch that one. Um, if Tommy Martin can do a number on him, then it probably starts to show a level that he's at, because at the moment those 13 wins aren't against particularly credible opposition. <laughs> Whereas if he can really do a number on Hibbert, it will show... Hibbert's got three losses on his record. Um and we know kind of what level he's at. He's kind of established as a gatekeeper towards kind of British title level. Um, so if Tommy Martin goes past that, then we know where, you know, if he does it with style as well, we can see that he's going somewhere. So just quickly on that, when we've spoken about gatekeepers before, gatekeepers aren't just blokes who get beaten all the time. They have, they're guys that can sit at a level, be that just below British standard, so that you know that if someone beats him, whatever... He's likely to therefore this guy. Okay, so this guy probably can box at British level, European level, world level. Yeah. Um, so what would you know, on that basis? What would um, what what would you say in terms of? I don't know if he's quite a gatekeeper, but Chisora. What level? Yeah, Chisora. Yeah, no, that's a good example. So, so what level would you say <clears throat> he was? I would say he <laughs> right now it's a difficult one, but a couple of years back, I mean, he fought um, Klitschko. 
uh, Vitali Klitschko for the world title. Lost, but put up a decent showing, better than many thought he would. Um, after that, I think you would say that he was a world-level gatekeeper. Now, I mean, he got battered by Fury in their second fight. I'd say, you know, he's probably still around that level of, like, if you can get past him, then you can reasonably go on and and look to push towards world title level. Same with the American Tony Thompson, who, I mean, he beat David Price, but they've both, it's now found out that Thompson was on drugs at the time. Um, but before, I mean, assume you never knew he was on drugs, he would be a world level gatekeeper. Um, somebody that if you could beat him, then as a heavyweight, you know you're kind of able to go on and, and look at the Klitschko's of the time. Um, so that's what level he was at. Again, he'd fought a world level, he'd failed, he could drop down and be that, that test before oh, you okay. uh, before you can move up to the next. So uh, just something just popped into my head then. Do you think um, Chisora could beat Charles Martin? Um. I guess, yeah, I think he possibly could. But he's not, I wouldn't even get a chance at this point. Well, he was over he there and called him out <laughs> after the press conference. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was over there saying, "I'll fight you. I'll fight you." It's like if he gets that fight, which he probably could get that fight because he's a a known name in the heavyweight division yeah. in America as well as England. He's a fairly soft touch for first defence. <laughs> You can kind of see it happening, horribly. Unless they wheel out Audley Harrison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I literally need someone I can punch to win. Yeah. Um, Do you want it wild? Yeah, I was, thinking, um, I was thinking, when I said I won't get that, I just thought, there's no way he deserves that. No, he doesn't deserve but it. it but I didn't think of it. I weren't thinking about it in boxing language, was I? I was thinking, yeah. like, in boxing world, it's almost like, nah, it doesn't matter that I didn't deserve it. It's that my guy's going to be able to beat him and he's a name. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Derek Chisora was being talked about for Anthony Joshua uh, this year. And then his promoters, the Sauerland brothers, have lined him up to fight Robert Hellenius for the European title. Hellenius and Chisora fought a few years back. Hellenius won a very, very controversial points decision, um, which Chisora probably won that fight. Um... Hellenius has dropped the European title when he was meant to be fighting Chisora. Probably not fancying that fight again because Chisora <laughs> gave him all sorts of trouble. He says he's moving on to world level now, Hellenius, so he doesn't need that belt. Um, actually, I say dropped it. I don't think he actually held it. I think he's just saying he's not going to fight for it. Right, he's going to okay, move on. Yeah. Apologies. Um, so, yeah, Chisora is kind of about a dance partner a little bit for that belt at the moment. So he could also be handily picked out from a crowd to be Charles Martin's first world defense. heavyweight title defence. Not saying it'll happen, but nobody would blink an eyelid if it did, sadly. It just seems like I, I, I mean, I don't know a massive amount about Charles Martin, but given our conversation the other day, I just thought, hmm, okay, that could be a fairly hard to call matchup, maybe. I don't know. It probably would be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not inconceivable that you would see that happen. Um, Okay, so we finished. Um, just to go back, sorry to take you down that garden path, people. But um, thought so, you near the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the John Wayne Hibbert, Tom Martin. Are you are you done talking about that? Yeah, yeah, no. That's so fine. let's move on then to um, the Kovalev fight against Jean Pascal. Yeah, the beast Kovalev. Um, and this is taking place in <clears throat> out in Canada on Saturday night. Right. Okay. Um, it's a rematch. Uh, fuck knows why you'd want a rematch with Kovalev. Kovalev beat him up last time. Um, and this was... I need to... <laughs> I've only just thought about it, actually. Bugger. If I'd have thought about this earlier, I'd have looked into the details of it. <laughs> um, but essentially, they, they kind of made a bit of a wager between them. 
and Pascal said, look, you know, I don't need the money, but I'll wager you X amount, $500,000 or something. Right. He's like, I don't need that money. We'll wager $500,000 that I get past the sixth round. Not that I'll win, <laughs> that I'll get past the sixth <laughs> round. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I can't remember the, the amount in the round, but it was along those lines mm. of like, not that I'm going to beat you. Football, I'm not football equivalent of, I bet you we can see less than five goals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like that tells you the level of confidence this bloke has going into the rematch. Um, he's going to get beaten up. There's not many options That's, out there for yeah. Kovalev in the light heavyweight division apart from Adonis Stevenson, who you know they keep mouthing off at each other on Twitter, keep flirting. Never quite happens. Uh, and Andre Ward's moving up to light heavyweight, so that's a potential fight they've spoken about as well for uh, possibly this year. But, um, yeah, Kovalev will beat him up Saturday night. I'm mean, 100% <laughs> sure. Whether it's within six rounds or not, whether Pascal gets to keep his 500 grand, uh, I don't know. Uh, what but, sort uh, of career has Pascal had to earn 500 grand that he's been just put on the line? I might have made up 500 grand, to be honest. It might have been 20 quid, yeah, but it enough. makes it sound better, doesn't it? Okay, um, let's uh, finally then, let's. I'll say finally, I'm sure we'll go off on some more tangents. But um, the WBA belts. Yeah, what we'll don't know. Well, what have you got to Well, you've read my it? bit, so. Uh, actually, you have read my bit, because I fucking text you to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, yeah. All right. Alright, so a little while back for those loyal listeners out there and those that aren't loyal listeners <laughs> fuck you, there's a stop button, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, a while back we spoke about the WBA and their head of um, the WBA, Gilberto Mendoza stepping down um, and in his place coming Gilberto <laughs> Mendoza Jr. <laughs> because there's nothing like Jesus nepotism Christ. at the top level, right? Mm. So um Mendoza Jr. comes in. WBA, World Boxing Association, get a lot of criticism for having multiple title holders per weight division. Um, so, for instance, let's look at the heavyweight division. They have a interim title holder, which is Luis Ortiz. They have a regular title holder, who is Ruslan Shagaev. They have a super title holder, who is Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury being the recognised one out of those three. So... They've announced uh, over the last week that there's to be a tournament, and that tournament is um, to essentially try and consolidate those titles. So you only have the single um, title holder in the heavyweight division. So you'll get rid of the regular, and you'll get rid of the interim, and you'll just have, essentially then, the heavyweight title, irrespective of whether it's called super or not. Um so yeah, he's announced this tournament to widespread ridicule and abuse and you know, they've opened themselves up to a torrent of, of hate mail, I'm sure. Um so yeah, there's But the, but the, the part of this part of this is the because of who is in the mix. Who and how, I suppose, if you want to <laughs> yeah. be uh... Yeah, who is in it and how the hell they are in it yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Um and that's because we've got a list that includes Okay, so kind of not really, but Tyson Fury and Vladimir Klitschko, kind of, but not really. It's almost like they've they've sort of gone, oh, got that, so that's that sorted. Then yeah, that's a free one. We love that. <laughs> and then they've just shoved in. Well, okay. So as a listener, just sit there and think of a figure. If you if you're thinking of they're going to create a WBA heavyweight title tournament, and they're going to say, right, we've got a fight already. How many fighters are you going to add to that? Those pair of fighters in order to create the perfect tournament. 
would that number be five? Five, <laughs> right. So you make a tournament, which to clarify the, the running of the tournament is fighter A versus fighter B, yeah. winner goes through. Fighter right. C versus yeah. fighter D, winner goes through. So you make a tournament on that basis with an odd number of people. Well done. It's Good not even start. like it's a really big number that you can sort of like <clears throat> stick a buy in somewhere eventually down the line or no. whatever. Like it's, you're straight through to the semis. Yeah. <laughs> you're straight in there, man. It's, uh, and in the you've semis, got a Wembley <laughs> semi-final already. Right. So, okay, just to clear up that then, first question. All right, so yeah, playing ambivalent to this, despite the fact I wrote the fucking thing about it, but okay, I'll ask you. If you have to give someone a buy, you have to give someone the buy in it. <laughs> You give it to the champ, right, wouldn't you? You give it to Tyson. Yeah. There you go, mate. Straight through. Well, clearly they've gone, right, well, that's not going to happen because he's got a fight with Vladimir Klitschko. So, actually, I suppose the most logical thing of us would go through the list of um, of fighters that are in it, and then, once again... We'll explain more. Listener, you yeah. can just think to yourself, you know what? I reckon it's that person that's going to get the buy. So, we've got Tyson Fury of Vladimir Klitschko. We've kind of given you that already. But then you've got Luis Ortiz, Alexander Ustinov, Ruslan Chagoyev, Lucas Brown and Frez Oquendo. Now, you might not be familiar with all of those. You might be, you might not be, whatever. But I would imagine that the one you're definitely not familiar with, or if you are familiar with all of them, the one you're least familiar with would be Frez Oquendo. Frez Oquendo. <laughs> he got the bye. I'm not hugely familiar with him myself. I had to do a little <laughs> bit of research. Especially, right, okay. So Frez Oquendo gets the bye, which is odd. Gilberto Mendoza clarified this on Twitter to say, this is brilliant, he's got a, and this is how boxing should be decided, right? If I'm going to think of the ideal way Here to decide boxing. What a coupon. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be used at any WBA heavyweight title for a buy if I was the first what round. Was it WWF where you get that money in the bank briefcase? You just fucking climb in and start claiming that. Right, no, so... Again, like if you're thinking politics ruins boxing, don't worry, I've got a little silver lining for you here. This bloke gets a buy because he made a challenge in the American High Court that he gets to fight the winner of Ruslan Chagayev versus Lucas Brown. <laughs> and so on that basis, he doesn't need to fight anyone else because those two are mandated to fight for Chagayev's regular belt. And so Equendo can just wait until they've fought, which is in February... And he gets to fight the winner. And so he hasn't got to beat anyone. And like this was Mendoza's point as well, you know, like we can't make him fight anybody else because he's got to fight the winner of that. Like, <laughs> why does someone get a bye to the semi final? Because they went to court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, it's mad. It's not great. Is it? Um yeah, so he gets the bye. So on the left hand side of the draw you have Klitschko um against Fury and Ortiz. Uh, against Ustinov, that's it, yeah. Right-hand side of the draw, you have Oquendo uh, with his tag team partner, the US High Court, <laughs> <laughs> against... Uh, he'll take on the winner of Chagayev and Brown. <laughs> when he walked into the ring for the first time against the winner of Brown and Chagayev, he'd be like, oh, by the way, the court said that I've won. And just turn walk out. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm going to legally get my way to the, to the title. So, yeah, right. Going back right to the very beginning of this, Tyson okay. Fury is a super belt holder. So I asked Peter Fury on Twitter, when all this came out, they kept very quiet. I then tweeted him asking, are you going to be allowing Tyson to participate in this tournament or not? He just tweeted back, no. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so. Like, yeah. 
Okay, the intention is all good, right? Try and consolidate all these titles so you have one title holder at the end of it, so you don't have the three belts. Completely, like, in favour of that, as, you know, nearly all boxing fans will be. But, like, okay, you've got the issue of Fury versus Klitschko, but can't you just say the winner of that is your super belt holder? Everybody else have a tournament. Yeah. And then the winner of that tournament fights the winner of Fury Klitschko in a year or so's time. So, feasibly, if you think it takes, say, four months from fight to fight for these top-level heavyweights, if they fight, if they fought in the beginning of like January, they're probably going to be fighting again in mid-April. So you're looking three to four months to make a fight. So to win this tournament, you have to have three fights. So that's at least a year but that has to tie in then because it's not like you're going to have Klitschko versus Fury on the same card as you're going to have Ustinov versus Ortiz so it's all the the diary's going to be scattered it's going to have slight delays even longer yeah so if everybody fought on the same nights you could maybe rattle through this tournament in a year but you're looking at a minimum of like 18 months to two years and so what if in that time and this was a question I asked Mendoza what if in that time Tyson Fury doesn't want to t- say if he beats Klitschko, right? Let's go hypothetical. Right, this is this. this is what I was going to come to. Yeah, let's go hypothetical. Fury beats Klitschko. So then you've got the one number one taking out number two <clears throat> yep. in terms of rankings, yep. right? And then he's then meant to be fighting the winner of Ortiz versus Ustinov in the semi-final. So that's probably going to be Ortiz. But I mean, say <laughs> by that point you're looking at say June, July, possibly. What if in that time, Fury says, actually, I want to go and start unifying this division. I want to go and take the Deontay Wilder fight. We saw him out there the other week, like yeah. Melvin off, throwing down waistcoats and whatever. Which, given what his dad said, is likely to be the case. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah he wants that fight. Wilder wants that fight. If they can make that fight, is Fury allowed to step out of this tournament, go and take the Wilder fight, and then step back into this tournament? So is he allowed to turn down the Ortiz fight? Because presumably Mendoza is going to want to push this through so it doesn't drag on for two years, two and a half years. He's going to want them to fight consecutively. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I asked Mendoza it, he said, no, essentially if you don't take a fight, then uh, you get taken out and you lose all your privileges. And So in other words, if Fury doesn't want to take part, they'll just strip him of the belt. So uh, Fury could take Klitschko out of the picture... So then the winner of Ortiz Ustinov could end up being in the final immediately or would then they yeah. take on Klitschko? I guess they'd be in the final, especially if they went to court. They'd definitely <laughs> be in the final. That'd be a really exciting way. <laughs> Fuck it, everyone should go to court. So who's got the best lawyer? So he comes back with a belt. So uh, Fraser Quendo could go from a semi-final position, uh, take on, say, someone like Ragev or Lucas Brown, um, and then immediate. So in the space of being from absolute complete obscurity, <laughs> it could take on Chago over Brown, who are limited. They're, they're both limited yeah, fighters, in, and in terms of their rankings, they're sort of with the WBA. They're both in the top ten. If you looked at it in reality, they're maybe both in the top twenty to twenty-five. Uh, without this, I suppose the point I'm trying to make then is. Without this structure, there's no way that Frizzer Quendo could beat one of those two and then go, right, title shot, please. No, no, no. <laughs> that's hope. exactly what he could yeah. end up having. And the stupid thing is that Quendo's not even like world ranked because he hasn't fought in about 18 months because he's been going through this fucking court procedure. <laughs> and so he's not even ranked by the WBA. And so if you look at their ranking system, Shannon Briggs 
um, who some of you may be familiar with. He's a former heavyweight world champion, American geezer. He's now mid-40s. He was the one that was chasing around Klitschko when he was out. Like, <laughs> Klitschko was having dinner and Briggs would turn up going, let's go, champ, let's go, champ. <laughs> like offering him out in the middle of a restaurant and like following him out when he's uh, waterboarding out in the middle of a lake and Briggs turns up in a speedboat and starts creating a <laughs> wake around. <laughs> right, so Briggs is like, if you looked at it by those standards and by the rankings... Briggs was in the position whereby he should be fighting in this tournament, but he's the one that's been taken out of it because Aquendo um, needs to be in it. But it, they can't make Aquendo fight. They can't make Aquendo fight anyone because Aquendo has to fight next. Yes, either Chago or Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and so again, I asked Mendoza by what right? So don't get me wrong, Shannon Briggs by no means deserves a fucking world title shot. Like he's just been beating up bums, like total utter terrible fights. But why is he the one that's taken out of the top eight or whatever yeah. to allow a Quendo in? He didn't have an answer. He just kept like mugging it off to something else. But um, yeah, so the whole thing, like in principle, perfectly fine. In application, is horrible. And yes, there's the timing of Mendoza Jr. coming in, but you do have to wonder. You look at the way the IBF handled the Fury situation and took the belt off him without him ever fighting for it. Um, it seems like the WBA are almost going out their way to make this a little bit difficult for Tyson Fury to hold on to that title. Um, you do have to wonder mm. how much of this is governing bodies not wanting Fury to be holding on to the belts because Klitschko had these belts for 10 years whilst there were other belts in the same weight division. Nobody ever organised a tournament when Klitschko had held the belts. Um, so why is it now... <laughs> That it's suddenly such a such a rush that the bloke needs to get it out on his Twitter page and like his YouTube channel immediately. It's it's an odd one. It's it does it does feel conspiracy esque um, without sticking their um, tinfoil hats on. Um, but it, it's it's frustrating in a way that you could after how long it took Tyson Fury to get that sort of title shot that within within a year you could have. Lucas Brown fighting Ustinov yeah. for the world title. I mean, yeah. Then you've got the world title, you've got a, a title winner. But then, again, I don't see how it helps the the sort of like credence no. of the governing body. If you've got uh, world heavyweight champion Lucas Brown, you've got so many others out there. that I mean, because straight away, Vladimir Klitschko, he might have lost Tyson Fury, but he's one of the best heavyweights out there, and he could be eliminated immediately by the best heavyweight out there. Who's going to get kicked out if he goes and takes <laughs> yeah. another fight? Yeah. It just doesn't have any logic to it at all. It's but the the brilliant thing is, like, you know, Deontay Wilder and Charles Martin, the other two world champions, yeah. they're not in this tournament. Yeah, there's another good um, point, yeah. You know, like if the WBA wanted, they've got their three title holders, but they've got room for the other fighters as well. So what would be interesting to see let's take this through to a natural conclusion so fury beats klitschko decides he wants that wilder fight wba would strip him of the title essentially like it's not 100 percent that's what happened but it's very likely that's what would happen so he would go from being a super title holder to go and take the fight with wilder possibly win that wbc belt and then he won't be in the top 10 of the wba ranking so he would go from being their super champion to not being recognised by them in any capacity in the space of like a fight. It's absolutely 
mental. I mean, they may then include him back in, I suppose. But if you base it on how Wilder is seen within the WBA at present, e.g., he's not there, is that what they would do with Fury in that scenario? I don't know. Could, could this be um, any could, worse? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Trying to think outside the box a little bit as to why this is all happening the way it is. Is it essentially the governing bodies sitting there going, right, our titles have been in the hands of, for the most part, essentially two people for a long time, and we've not really got... Mo- I'm assuming they had to pay fees to sanctioning bodies. but Oh, the bodies, sorry. But they're now going, right, we've seen there's lots of interest in the heavyweight division, it's really competitive, there's lots of fighters, so it doesn't actually serve us to have them unified. The best thing we can do is try and get as many fights out as possible that are fighting towards the WBC. If you're fighting in this tournament, would these fighters have to pay something towards the WBA in order to, if they're in the semis or whatever? Probably. So, so could it be a money-spinning exercise in all of the weight divisions? I, would, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a money-spinning exercise. The biggest money-spinning exercise is to hold three belts in every weight division. Right, okay. That's the biggest like long-term money-spinning Even exercise. for individual um, governing bodies? The WBA, the only one that do it. Oh, sorry. What I meant was, each, like, IBF, WBA, what is more lucrative to them? Is it having all of their, like, the WBA with the IBF, with the WBC, all held by one boxer? Or is it more lucrative to them to be, basically, the only title being held by a single boxer? Ultimately, the answer is that it... is to have the Mayweather situation where he holds all the belts, right? Because that... Garners more um, interest in the fighter. You, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a new Mayweather equivalent right now. Like Golovkin, if Golovkin goes and sweeps up all the belts and takes over the world's interest in boxing and replaces Mayweather, the size of his, the size of the money involved in his fights goes up like, right. exponentially, and therefore they can take a percentage cut of those fights. And that percentage is more than they could charge from just yeah. Okay, that makes sense because then. You've got more millions of people tuning in to see that one fight than you would have just to see a WBC yeah. fight or just a WBO yeah. fight or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, assuming that person who held the belts was interesting and, you know, boxing fans liked him and he caught on with the general public. It's a lot of hypothetical ifs and buts. but So on that basis, then, has Tyson Fury, if he wants to, to uh, garner all the belts together, like to grab all the belts together and unify them, has he then... Got to make himself popular in America. No, he w- he doesn't give a fuck about the belts. <laughs> like Peter Fury's made it quite clear. They're like, take our belts. You know, he said he'll drop the belts rather than fight David Haight. He said, you know, he's not going to take part in this tournament. He's not bothered about the IBF taking his belt. So, like, he, as far as he's concerned, like the fact that he beat Klitschko makes him the best heavyweight on the planet. Whether he holds one, two, three, none of the belts like he is the best heavyweight on the planet and that's what his team stick by is like do what you want like i'll go out and raise my own interest in my fights i'll go out and publicize myself don't need a belt for it take them if you want if not i'll keep them that's kind of what his attitude is i just hope it works because it frustrates me that he's he's getting held back i mean for me personally my greatest interest is in the heavyweight division certainly now more so than it than ever but it frustrates me that so much politics strips the division of But the I think potential. that's almost where Fury um, circumvents it because he doesn't care about the belts and so he doesn't care about the politics. He just wants the, bis- the best and the biggest fights. 
So almost you can say that he's like the anti-politics of it all. It's like, if you're going to be a dick about it and make me take part in a tournament to hold on to my own belt, have your belt. If they, if he didn't have any belts, would there still be title holders such as... If he was, if uh, let's say, he was stripped of the remaining belts he has and Deontay, would Deontay Wilder still want to fight him? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think he's now the biggest name out there. From beating Klitschko, he's the biggest name in the division. I think his name carries credence now. Unlike, you know, we go back to the Kel Brook scenario. If the IBF stripped Kel Brook of his title, he's nobody in that division. He's amongst a bunch of other, like, nobodies to an extent. Fury, by beating the man in Klitschko, sits that level above. And so, like, would people want to fight him? Probably not. But then he will only want those top fighters that will ultimately probably end up having the belts anyway. So he could go back and sweep them up inadvertently almost. <laughs> that happens. And then chuck them back out again. You know, like, <laughs> he, he really doesn't seem that arsed about it. Okay. Right, I guess that's uh, that's pretty much we should leave these listeners to their day and uh, and uh, close it down. You got anything more to add? No, 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 nothing really. Any more no's? No. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you very much for listening once again. Um, um, we'll be back with you within a week or so. Just come back in the next week or so, maybe. Yeah, we'll see uh, See how it ties up. Look forward to this coming, these coming fights at the weekend. Kovalev looks to be good. Groves, interesting, as we've covered. So, uh, yeah, yeah, enjoy. and Check out the undercard. That'll be probably more interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll see you soon. Love you. <laughs>